I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. What is more? Not just the things before Christ, but now he's saying what is more? The things I've accomplished after knowing him every day. This, this, this is something he says they're a loss. This word azemia means to forfeit, to give up to forfeit, to give up. It's, it's not the idea of like, hey, I'm running the race and I'm just going to stop. No, it's like I ran the race, I got the gold, and then I gave it up. It's this idea of forfeiting that what was yours to remove it. And he's talking about everything. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Life Church Canton podcast. My name is Sam. I'm the host for this show. Thanks for listening. Whether you are on your way to work uh, or you're on your way to school or maybe you're working out or listening to this podcast while you're doing the dishes or shoveling snow, we're thankful that you're here, that you're engaging um, with what God is doing at Life Church Canton. Um, and I uh, just wanted to give you a heads up about a few things. Um, number one, um, Nathan's going to talk about a series called Cross Equals Love that we're going to launch. Um, that's going to be our Easter series. Um, coming soon here. And last year, uh, the podcast actually started during uh, Cross Equals Love last year. So this is actually the 50th episode of the podcast. So I just want to say thank you guys for uh, listening and engaging. Um, and this week, Nathan is still in our series called Christian Privilege. Um, he's talking about losing the world so that we might gain um, something in Christ. And it's a very powerful message. So here he is. Enjoy it. Welcome, everybody. My name is Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here, and if you're new, uh, I just want to say thank you for being here if you're checking it out. If you're checking church out, this church out, or you're checking Jesus out, this is the place for you. I hope that you know that you belong, and if you're joining us online, I'm so grateful that you are here. You can just write a comment and say what's going on in your heart and your mind. I know not everybody can be in the room with us, so I'm grateful that you are with us now. It's a privilege to be together. It truly is, and I almost uh, didn't make it this week. Uh, I have three children at home, and all three of them have pneumonia, which is, uh, they're doing okay. They're doing okay. Um, and two of them have the flu as well. So uh, it's just a lot of fun in our household uh, right now. And in, uh, I'm grateful to be here with you in the midst of that. I know that if you came in this week and your week looked a little like mine, a little crazy, a little over the cut, maybe sick, or maybe it was a rough week for you, that this is a place where you're in good company. We're here to be who we are here, and so I hope that you feel comfortable and you can relax and see what God has for you here. I have something I want to talk about, and I'm really excited about it because I'm tired of flu season. Um, spring is coming. Anyone excited about spring coming soon? Yeah. Yes. You're like, it's February, man. I'm like, I know. I just like looking ahead. What always comes in the spring is Easter, and last year we had something incredible happen. We did this series called Cross Equals Love, and we're going to do it again because it was so amazing. And so I'm letting you know about it now for a couple of reasons. This is the greatest symbol of love in all of human history, the cross. And that's weird because it was a torture device, but it speaks and it has a symbol that, that means something to people. And so what we do during this series is we have a lot of fun. We, we wear t-shirts that have the symbol on it. We have these wristbands. We buy about like seven of them for every single person who comes so they can give them away and tell people about the love 
of Jesus. So that's coming up. It's the very next series after this, and I want you to be ready. So we're letting you know that if you would like to order shirts, or you'd like to order sweatshirts, or you'd like to order kids' shirts, that to do that now, you can do it today, right now. We will have those blue shirts in adult sizes the entire time um, that we're in the Cross Equals Love series. Why? Because every time you buy a t-shirt, We're going to give one away to a new visitor during that series. So if you buy one, you give one. So that's why we do this. It's about spreading this and helping people feel like they belong. So we want you to be, you'll hear more about it. We want you to be ready. If you're like, man, I am digging that pink shirt, you need to order it now because some of those you can only order ahead of time. I want you guys to be ready for it um, because we are going to share the love of Jesus Christ. Last year, we concentrated on telling people our stories and inviting them to church, but inviting them to relationship. This year, we're going to focus on love and how we can do acts of love. So I want to challenge you two things. Get involved in this. It's an absolute blast, but I want to challenge you. It takes time to plan these things out to think about what you're going to do for someone in your community to love them. Small groups, I challenge you to find a group that's not in your small group, uh, maybe a family or an individual, and bless them with the love of Christ. Let's show people that the cross equals love this year. Looking forward to that. Now, last week, I got challenged. Uh, for sure. Daniel opened this series, and I got challenged. Anyone else get challenged by his message just to think a little different, to do some things? I did, man. Things changed inside of me, and you want to go back and check that out as he kicked off this whole entire series on Christian privilege. And what is Christian privilege? Well, it's simply this, a special right, honor, or advantage granted to only Christians, that when we have this relationship with God, something changes, and we have privileges. But We aren't really pressing into these privileges, these honors, these rights. And in some ways, we're a Christian in name only, and we're not living into it. And so Daniel challenged us in Philippians 3, which we're going to continue on today. He challenged us to recognize who the dogs are in our life. You know what I mean? Not just like men who are bad at, you know, dating women, not those kinds of dogs, but like the dogs in our life that want to consume us and their dogma. Do you remember that dogma? These are philosophies that are presented as absolute truth. There are dogmas we believe, things that we don't even realize that we buy into, and we have to recognize those. And so Daniel challenged us to sit down and write them out. Did you do that? Did you have a chance to do that? I, I encourage you to. It's, it's hard. Well, I actually did that this week. I, you know, we don't just preach the messages. We do what we're learning. And, and uh, I went and looked and realized there was something. There's something in my life that I was starting to ascribe to, thing that made me feel good, a, a dogma, a truth that I participated in, and it had to do with my accomplishments, the things that I have done in my life or the things that I have gained. And so I wanted to, I brought a box full of them here, and I, I wanted to share them with you for a purpose. First one is this set of keys, which doesn't seem like much of an accomplishment, just keys, right? But it means so much. You know, we have two cars that are paid off and that are functional. It's good. It's, it's an honor to have those, a privilege, something that we've worked hard to have, and it's an accomplishment. And then I have the key to my, my house. And uh, to live in Canton is, is not cheap. And to, to be able to uh, have a home, I take pride in that. And not only that, I, I feel like it's a privilege, a privilege to have a home. Not everybody gets to have a home, and that's a good thing. And then the key to the church. And, and for me, this position is such a privilege to be able to, to lead in this church, to be a pastor here. Um, it's something I've always wanted and worked hard for, but really it's, it's, it's an honor. So that, that helps me remind me of, of, of the things that I take value in. 
My kids, they're an accomplishment. I mean, I only did a little thing in, in the whole process of growing them, but like, but like you know, sex. But, you know, it, in case you didn't know what I was talking about. Um, but like raising them, even though they're cesspools of disease right now, like I love them. And, and to, to see them grow and, and know that I've had a part in that, a part of their personality, a part of what they do and don't do. Um, I, I take pride in them. Uh, some other things in here, I log book of all the things I've done in, in lifting and CrossFit over the years. Like I, I take pride in that. I work hard at it, you know, to be able to deadlift like 500 pounds and squat 450 and be able to still jump up on a bar and do crazy things. Like that's awesome. I, I think that's pretty cool. I'm excited about it. I love doing physical things and I, and I feel good when I accomplish them. Um, I actually have a, a plaque somewhere where uh, I got a third place trophy in the Columbus Marathon uh, for my age group, which was like the 20-somethings, which was a really big deal. The weird thing about that is I never finished that race, so I don't know how. I just came in the mail. I, I didn't actually earn that one. Um, but someday I'm going to die, and they're like, he ran a marathon really fast one day. I didn't, though. It didn't, didn't happen. Um, it's a story for another day. Um, so I was in the military, and the military loves awards. They do. It's actually something they do well um, for other reasons, but I want to show you something. Um, these, are, these are coins, and what they are is uh, a coin is, is something, it's an honor in the military where if you do something that's really good, they will come up to you, shake your hand, and in it, the hand will be a coin, and they'll give it to you, and it's a way of saying, I see you, I respect you. And you can get them for all kinds of different things, whether it's for, uh, you know, doing a test really well or, you know, a general sees you do something good. Um, you can get lots of them for it or shooting guns well, all kinds of stuff. So I have quite a few of those. Here's a couple of them. And then um, I got a medal. I got a medal uh, for my achievements in the Air Force there, too. It's an achievement medal, which I really like. And then I got one. This one actually is from, uh, from George Bush. He gave me a Hometown Hero Award. Um, I say he gave it to me, but I've never met him. His name's just right here. It says George W. Bush. <laughs> Y'all thought I was bigger than I was, but... You know, so, you know, I, I'm proud. I've got some achievements and uh, other things. I've got some degrees. You know, I have a high school diploma. I have an associate's degree from the Community College of the Air Force. I, I have some other ones as well. Uh, in fact, oh, here's, here's my degree from the Ohio State University. <laughs> yeah? See? That's good. Yeah. Paid a lot of money for that one. Uh... Here's, a, here's another one. This one's, this one's really cool. I, this one's from my seminary, and, and I worked really hard for this one. It's from Ashland Theological Seminary. It's a Master's of Divinity, and it's a really hard program, and, and I love this thing. I'm actually a sucker for punishment. Soon I'll have five degrees because I'm an idiot, and uh, I'm working on my doctorate right now from Asbury. Those degrees, they mean something. I actually got this big old plaque because I won a scholarship from, for my Master's of Divinity, and uh, they gave it to me when I, when I graduated. And the Kearns, you may have heard about them. They're pretty cool. So I, I have all these accomplishments, all these things, and you know, I think they're pretty cool. And, and you might actually think, man, those are, those are pretty cool. The world would say, like, wow, that's, that's a big deal. You did some great things. But underneath of it is a dogma, a principle, something that we kind of all agree on. And it's this. These things, they make me feel secure, that when I'm feeling a little worried, I can look back at what I've done, and I feel okay. I think many of us look at our accomplishments or the things that we've earned and done in a way that says basically this. We believe that if we have more 
or if we have done more, that we are more. We believe that if we have more things or we've done more things, then we are worth more. And this dogma, this belief has infiltrated all of us. Think about it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Have you ever been stressed about the idea of like, mm, man, I don't know, I might, I might lose my job. And then you look at all that you've done in your resume and you're like, well, first of all, they'd be a fool to fire me. Look what I've done. But secondly, even if they did, I'd be okay. Have you looked at your house or your bank account and you said, you see, I matter. I matter in this world. I made a difference. I've arrived. Or maybe you look at your kids and you say, look how great my kids are. Look what they have done. Clearly, like I had something to do with that. Like I couldn't have raised these kids like badly if, if they're this amazing. This world is all about showing people what we've done. The self-promotion is exhausting in our culture. You go on YouTube or Instagram and there's like and subscribe and they're like, and hit that notification bell, ding. You know, like they're, they're all about you seeing their life. And some of us, we fall into this idea that I have more, so I am more. I have done more, so I am more. Or the reverse. Maybe you don't feel that way, but the reverse of it is this. I have less, so I am less. I have done less, so I am less. What good am I? My kids, they're a wreck. My finances are terrible. I drive a terrible car that I'm still paying for. You know, you look at it and say, I must be wrong. This is the same side of the same principle, a dogma. See, our culture is all about those gains, all about those gains. What'd you get? How you growing? What you doing? What's the hustle? How are you getting more? It's dangerous. We must gain more things or more accomplishments constantly to continue to matter. And I want to look to the Word of God to help us understand that there is one thing we must gain, but only one thing. And Paul's going to help us do that. We've been in Philippians 3. I encourage you to go ahead and get your Bibles out. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 7 and 8. We're staying in this chapter the entire series because it's powerful. And Paul, Paul wrote it. He was a Jew among Jews. Like he was the man, a juggernaut. He was someone who was like on the forefront of everything. And he had this encounter with Jesus Christ that changed everything. I mean, he was an amazing guy. He was born to the right set of parents with the right privileges. In fact, he had Jewish privilege. He was doing things and he gave it up in a moment. He said it this way, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. That's not humble at all. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee means he knew everything. As for zeal, I persecuted the church, even killing people for what he thought was right. And as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. This is who Paul is. The accomplishments, he even goes in more detail, other places are so high. And yet, he considers them something. After he met Jesus, it changes. Verse 7. But whatever were gains to me, that word, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. 
because of all that Christ had become to him. Paul is willing to collect all of his former privileges, all of his former accomplishments, put them in a box, write them off as a loss. They're not assets, but liabilities. They get in the way. They get in the way of him gaining the only thing he truly needed. Because of all these accomplishments, he persecuted the church, and he persecuted Jesus Christ, the one person he needed to know. So what does this look like for you? Now, I've heard this truth preached to new believers and believers who are yet to be believers, people who are still exploring. The idea that everything you find value in, your accomplishments, they must be laid aside for something of greater worth in Christ. I've heard it said for those who have followed Jesus and said, I'm going to follow him, to let go of the plan B. Not to look back at what your accomplishments were and say, oh, I'll, if this whole Christ thing doesn't, doesn't work out, I'll just go back to that. That there are actually hindrances in the way of you experiencing the fullness of Jesus Christ. What does this look like for you to not have a backup plan? To not only experience the benefits of knowing Christ now, but to experience an eternity with him later, gaining the one thing that matters is a relationship with Jesus Christ, the only thing that matters. Let's continue reading in verse 8. So he says this, he's talking, and then he says, what is more? He's building on this argument. He's deepening it. I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. What is more? Not just the things before Christ, but now he's saying what is more? The things I've accomplished after knowing him every day. This, this, this is something, he says they're a loss. This word azemia means to forfeit, to give up. To forfeit, to give up. It's, it's not the idea of like, hey, I'm running the race and I'm just gonna stop. No, it's like I ran the race, I got the gold, and then I gave it up. It's this idea of forfeiting that what was yours to remove it. And he's talking about everything. Everything? In regards to the one thing, everything. What about the good things? What about the things that I've done since starting a relationship with God, the accomplishments that I have made? You're saying everything. Yeah, it means all good things. They're all considered garbage. The word garbage. The word is skybala. It means litter, trash. Kind of like, you know, you have a McDonald's sandwich and it comes in a wrapper. That wrapper, it's litter, it's trash, it's, it needs to be removed. All of it, all of it is like litter, trash. That's why Paul resolved only to know Christ and his death and resurrection when he was among the people. He was horrified, not only at his previous religious accomplishments, because they would distract him from his reliance on God, but there was something deeper too. He said, even the other things I look to, they're gonna get in the way. What do you guys do with trash? What do you guys do with trash? Not a trick question. Some of you are like good people. You say, well, I recycle it. I, I compost it. Um, some of you throw it away. Uh, I, I came from an area where we burn trash. Anyone do that? Yeah, you just burn it, right? Like, it, that's not the best for the environment. I know that now. But like, like we, can't, we get rid of it. it. It is meaningless. What if you looked at all of your accomplishments as if they were trash? You know what I mean? Not like, oh, that's a bad thing, like you trash, but like just trash thing that needs to be cleaned up to be removed. What's more, what if you looked at them as detriments, things that get in the way, get in the way of you experiencing something? What if, what if these things need to be put away? 
the things that we, we look at to make us feel a certain kind of way, maybe they need to go. What are the things that you look at at your life and say, I, I find a lot of comfort in what I have done or, or what I have accumulated? What if they're not benefits? What if they're just trash? See, if we believe that we have more or have done more, we are more, there's a problem. There's an issue. These things make, make us feel like more, but in reality, they're only getting in the way of utter and true reliance on Christ. So like, what if I even look at like my degrees as something that are just trash, you know, from the Ohio State University, and I just look at it as if it's trash, and you're all in the room like, yeah, it is trash. <laughs> Watch yourself, Jeff Packer. (laughs) But what if I looked at this degree and I just was like, eh. Yeah, you can share. That's all right. You need Jesus. We all need Jesus. But what's more? Not looking at our accomplishments just as something that's unnecessary, but in fact taking them. Like this one, this one, I worked hard to pursue what Jesus had for me. I, I, I wanted to learn and grow. But what if I started to look at this as getting in the way? And instead of just putting things aside as not necessary, but what if I just started to burn everything that got in the way of what Jesus had for me? What if we started to look at it like that? What would change in our lives if we started to see our accomplishments as something that gets in the way? That's what Paul is talking about. What would it look like to let go of that dogma? To truly see these things as trash. And you're asking me, Nathan, this is Christian privilege. That's the name of the series. What's the privilege here? Because all you're saying is like, count everything you've done as loss. There is a privilege. And there's a reason why Paul keeps saying, well, you've got to get rid of these things. Let's go back to verse 8. What is more, I consider everything a loss. Why? Because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Paul is saying something profound here that you can't quantify the value of knowing Jesus. You can't put a price tag on knowing your Savior. You can't compare it to a degree. You can't compare it to a house or an award. It's priceless. Everything else pales in comparison. Having a relationship with the infinite God of the universe, of being so unknowable except through Jesus Christ who came as a man, so incredibly vast, our puny brains can't understand him. In fact, we just have to make metaphors to try to contain him, to try to understand how wide and big and huge he is, and we get to know him experientially, relationally, in a way where we can see him face to face. That is the privilege. That is the honor. That is the the thing, the right that is ours that, that we've got to dive into more deeply. This is something that we've missed out on. 
So you've gained a savior from your sin, a friend in your isolation, a confidant when you're confused, an informant in the war, in the fight, a counselor in your distress, a partner in your relationships, in your marriage. This is what you have gained. And because of the surpassing value of that, all of your other gains pale in comparison to knowing Christ. And Paul is saying there are things in the way. Compared to the Sistine Chapel, the paint by numbers you did in third grade can't compare. I know you think it's good, but something that surpasses it, it's trash in comparison. Rubbish. Does that make you trash because you have less or have done less or it's so much less than what God is? No, that's actually just the reverse of the same lie, the same dogma that if you have more or do more, you are more, but that if you have less or do less, you are less. That's the old way, the old paradigm, the old way. The new one is this. You have identity, joy, and worth found in relationship with Jesus Christ, and it is worth more than anything you can possibly imagine, so much so that it looks like trash to you. That is what Paul is saying. But you have to lay down the old things, that old dogma to pick up this new privilege. Is this new because I just said about it? No, you got it the moment you accepted Jesus Christ, but you haven't lived into it. We're all learning to live into it. See, our privilege in Christ, our Christian privilege, is to always experience more of God. And that should give you chills. That should get you excited. See, some of us, when we're saved, we, we stop seeking more. We just kind of stay where we're at with that and think we've experienced everything that God has for us. But this is only the beginning of the discovery of the riches of the grace that you have been given. It's only a small moment of it. In Christ, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden. And it takes us a lifetime to appropriate them personally into our lives to search them out, to explore them? What if he wanted you to have more joy and that you've been saved, to help you understand just what you were saved from so there's more joy in your salvation, more purpose in your family, more freedom from sin, more understanding of the mysteries of God? What if that is your right and you're not living in it? You see, we're always supposed to explore God forever. We're supposed to explore all who he is. You know, I, I have people say to me sometimes, they're like, oh, I can't wait till we get to heaven and then I just, I know everything. You know, I just have the answers to all of my questions. And I'm like, you're not gonna know everything in heaven. And they look at me like, wait, what? And I'm like, yeah, that's kind of what got us into this mess, the whole place, and like trying to know everything that God knew. Like, that's how we got in this mess. Why do you think we're gonna get that at the end of this? And they look at me funny. I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand. Okay, here's the cool part. This is amazing. Do you know we were always made to explore the mystery of God forever? That we will never, ever, ever find the end of God? That he's infinite and his love and his grace and his mercy is something that we will be curious about and explore for all eternity. That's exciting to me. It's a place where I get to constantly explore the goodness of God and his wonder and his mystery and his providence, that that is our goal. We can experience that now, but we are definitely going to experience that in eternity. So we get this right. We get this privilege. And if we stopped here with the passage, like many I've heard do, then great. 
Got to leave the old things behind to pick up the new things. But Paul wasn't done yet, and he wanted to push in here. This is what he says. What is more? I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. Just in case you didn't hear it for the third time, I have lost all things. Finally, to drive it home, I consider them garbage that I might gain, that I might, that I may gain Christ. It's almost a transaction here. That if I consider, I count, I recount, that's the idea of consider there. As I continue to look at the things I've done and I count them as garbage, I would gain Christ. Is this idea that if you do this, you're not saved? No, he's saying this is beyond this. He's like, yes, you're saved, but, but if you start to consider these things garbage, you will understand more of who God is. I reject the gains because they're in the way of full and utter reliance on Christ. Anything that you look to boast about causes you to be blind to the fact that we can only live by the grace of God. And so he says, start getting rid of those things. I consider them nothing. I reject them. Even the accomplishments I've had since knowing Christ, I reject them being any part of my identity. And if I have to burn them, I will. The dogma of being more is so strong in our world. We've so valued it, especially in America, that it threatens always to blind us to our need for God. We're so good at gaining things as humans We've become convinced of our own deity, and every accomplishment feeds right into the idea that I am God, not that I need God so incredibly much to make it through the day. We are in this ever-present temptation to rely on something other than God. When you are worried about something, what do you comfort yourself with? Is it things you have accomplished? Is it the bank account? Is it the stuff? Or is it, I am a child of God, and my God will meet all my needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. He knew there was a temptation, and I know we have that too. Maybe it looks a little different. I've been a Christian my whole life, and I've accomplished some things. I'm in leadership. I've taught classes. I'm religious. I'm spiritual. I've got degrees. And quickly it comes more about the things I have done for God than the things he has done for me. More about what I have done than what God has done through me. Hmm. Jesus says some hard things about this. He, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, and yes, even his own life, cannot be my disciple. There is only one thing you need to gain, and that is Christ Jesus and the privilege of knowing more of him. I have one more award I want to show you. It's this one here. It's kind of nice. It's got like a whole statue and everything. Uh, I received this in the Air Force. I was in basic military training, which everyone has to go to, and it's, it's really, really hard. It's brutal. They, they really mess with your head, and you, they isolate you, and they play mind games, and they make sure you can't win, and they're trying to break you down to build you up in their own image of what 
a soldier needs to be. And so I was struggling there. And I remember praying within the first week, God, I need you to get me through this day. In fact, I need you to get me through this next step. Literally, as I'm marching, praying I don't make a mistake, that I lead people in the right direction and that you don't make the whole entire thing fall apart. Praying because I'm starving and I'm hungry and I'm tired. I'm only getting four hours of sleep and I, I can't sleep. God, help me get through this moment. Praying because I'm confused and I'm scared and I'm frustrated and I'm angry. And I said, God, I just need you. I have never been more moment by moment reliant on God at that point in my life till right then. And I got done and I finished. And then I received this award. And what this award is, is that there are people who, um, the top 10% of all the people, the hundreds and thousands of people that are there, uh, the 10% get honor graduate. Um, but this award is top honor graduate. And I was the number one person from that entire time when all measures, I was number one. So I received the top honor graduate award. It's because I shot the best. And I not only passed the physical test, but I, I aced them. Accomplishment after accomplishment. I almost got a perfect score on every single class and test that they took us through. In fact, I only missed one question, and I know what that question is, and I will never forget what it is in the rest of my life. I know how to identify scabies, okay? Because it's the one thing I got wrong. For those of you who don't know, scabies is like body lice, and it's disgusting, but I mislabeled it, and now I will never forget what scabies are. Because <laughs> it's the one thing I missed. The entire time I was there, I never got written up. I never made a mistake that people caught. I was a leader in my flight. I was responsible for others. I had to lead them. I was responsible for them. If something went wrong with them, it was my fault. I got inspected by the special team. With the, they came in with their white gloves on, and they went to my personal area where everything has to be within a millimeter of each other and no, no detritus, no anything. You can't have literally a little thread coming off your uniform as it hung up. You couldn't have anything out of place. All the corners had to be right, everything. And the whole point was to teach you how to work on maintenance stuff in the middle of stress, but they went in, and this team was there to find as many things wrong. I got singled out by it, and they didn't find one single thing wrong. So much so, they got mad and threw my stuff everywhere. That's how messed up it was. I did all these things. It was almost unheard of. And of all the people there, I was the best by all of their measures. And I stood up in this room that was about twice the size of this room with people in it, people who are, are my flight mates, but also these drill instructors who entire time are just, just trying to destroy you. Like, literally no emotion making fun of you in your face screaming at you and I see them in the back and they're losing their mind excited shouting for me happy smiling which I didn't know that they could do and there's this room of people congratulating me and I should have felt something but I felt nothing nothing and as I rode on the bus and I held this in my lap and it was over, and I'm going on to more training that's not crazy like this is, and, and moving on, I stared at it. I was confused. Why doesn't this mean something to me? There's two things that I immediately understood. One, that during that time, I had utter and complete dependence on God. There's too many times to count when one misstep would have meant I didn't receive this award. 
that even if I had made a little mistake, not only wouldn't I have received this reward, but I would have been bumped back to a previous flight and spent another month there as punishment. Now, it wasn't like I was an imposter. I knew I had accomplished this. I knew I had done this, but it was, it was almost like because of my utter dependence on God, there was no connection to it meaning anything to me. It, it, I explain it like this. You ever watch like an incredible athlete who has been through college and, and all these things and went through the draft and, and then they went and played football and did an amazing job and they're like getting the MVP and then they say something like, I just want to thank God. Anyone in there just go like, uh-huh, yeah, whatever. You want to thank God. Like what, it's you. You worked hard. You did this. You did that. All this. And it was almost... Like I didn't understand them, but I kind of understand them now. That everything that they had had was because of God. I had a military father. I had privilege going in. I knew what to do. I had all these things that set me up, and I was reliant on God the entire time. I couldn't have done this without him. That was one. Utter and complete dependence. And second was this utter and complete shame and frustration with how I got it. You see, they really messed with you there. And I took what they did to us, and I did it to the people I was responsible for. I swore at them. I manipulated them. I berated them. And we were good. We did well. And I did it by abusing them. And here's the thing. I was a Christian at this point, people. I love Jesus Christ with all of my being, and yet I felt so stripped down that all I could do was just try to avoid pain, and I did it by forcing it onto other people. We were good, but what was the cost? See, I never wanted to lead like that again. It was so bad, and I was so stressed. I talk in my sleep when I'm stressed out, and I would talk in my sleep, and the people I was leading, and they wouldn't tell you I did a bad job. They, they were thanked me for it, but I knew what I did. But at night, they would kind of mess with me while I was sleeping and talk to me and all that kind of stuff until I started calling them out by name in my sleep, and then I assigned one of them punishments. Like, okay, so in the morning, you're going to clean the latrine, and you're going to do push-ups. So next, next morning, he comes up to me, and he's like, yeah, I'm really sorry about last night. I didn't really realized that you were uh, uh, awake, and, and I, I'm really sorry, and I, and, and I know that I have to do these punishments. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, yeah, you were talking in the sleep. We thought you were, and I made fun of and blah, blah, blah. And I said, oh, I don't remember any of that. But it sounds like asleep Nathan had something right. Go do the latrine. <laughs> this award sits in my office as a reminder that I am nothing without God, and I am so broken, I need his forgiveness every single day. When I look at it, it means so much to me, not because it's an accomplishment, but it's a warning. That these other things, these things that I am not here with, the things that I look at for identity, they are trash compared to knowing God and having relationship with him. And I couldn't wish for anything else than for you to have those moments. Those moments that you need God's grace every single day and his forgiveness every single day. And that anything you've accomplished is only because he gave you the breath in your lungs. And this is our privilege, our right, our honor. And I want to challenge you 
to explore the height and the depth and the width and the breadth of the love of Christ Jesus that's found in our salvation. This is what we have to lay down is the old things, the human gain, and pick up knowing God more. Will you do that with me? Will you encounter Jesus by reading his word, like being in Philippians, like Daniel asked us to do, by praying, by being in community with each other and exploring who he is and being surprised again by his love? That's your right. That's your honor and responsibility. That's your privilege as a Christian. Some of you need to burn your accomplishments, even the ones you've got as a Christian, because you're looking to them to say who you are instead of looking to God and His grace. Some of you need to renounce the very things that give you comfort. And I want to encourage you at the end of our gathering, we have prayer after every gathering for people, no matter what you're struggling with, no matter if you're responding to this prompt or not, or whether you're going to give your life to Jesus. But any week, anything you need, come down. But I want to encourage you, if you need to come up and do some business with God, that you need to figuratively burn some things and not find value in them anymore. Some of you need to change the reason why you're pursuing the next thing the next degree, the next job, that it, we're pursuing meaning because we're supposed to, that we're pursuing it to achieve something, to matter in this world. The only reason why we should pursue any accomplishment or anything in this world is because it draws us closer to Christ, that it's based in our identity in Him and how He wants to use us to bring others to Him. So don't pursue these things because it's what you're supposed to do. Pursue them because it's what Christ has made you to do, and you can only find that when you gain the one thing you need, which is Him. Your privilege is to know who you are in Christ. Finally, some of you need to repent because you're not on the side of, I want to gain things. You're on the side of, like, I don't have things, so I'm trash. My kids, my finances, my life, it's a wreck. I don't have that relationship. I'm not married. I can't have those things. And that means I'm less. Some of you need to repent of that. And what a weird thing to say. But you need to turn away from that lie that you are defined by what you have done instead of you are defined by what God has done for you. And find your identity in that. I encourage you to come and receive prayer so that we can partner with you together. If we get this, guys, there's a freedom on it. There's a freedom on the other side. There's a curiosity and excitement. There's mystery again to God. If we get this, these things will become stuff that just isn't important to us. Only Jesus is important to us, and that bleeds over. People will see it. We'll be free, free from not measuring up free from society's pressure to get that degree, to do that thing, free from comparison gains and from re relentless self-promotion, free to explore the infinite God who can show us who Jesus Christ is. So I want all of us to stand right now if you can. Please stand with me. Prepare your hearts because I think God wants to do some business with us. Every time we get together, I encourage you to pick up a privilege the privilege of being saved by God and exploring Him forever. And so I'm going to do that. And if you're in the room, which I know yesterday there was quite a few in the room who don't believe in God, but today 
If you're here and you want to pick it up, I, I, I want you to choose that. It's the greatest thing you ever do, and it'll take you through the hardest times, and there's something to explore. But for most of us, we need to actually remind ourselves of this. So let's close our eyes, open our hands. We need to be reminded that it is by grace we are saved, by faith in Jesus Christ. Not that we can boast about anything we've done, but only that we boast in the grace and mercy and love of a God who would send his son to die for us. So if you want to make that decision to follow God for the very first time, the time is now. The cost is high. But on the reward on the other side is greater than you can imagine. Surpassing. So I encourage you, if you want to do this, to, to ask God to save you, that you just repeat after me out loud or in your heart that you make these words your own. And for those of us in the room who know him, remind yourself. Say this, God, I'm broken. God, I need you to rescue me. There's something in between us that I can't overcome. But Jesus Christ has overcome it for me. I reject all of my things, all of my accomplishments, all of my old ways of believing. I reject them. I burn them. And I pick up the only thing I must gain, the only thing I need, which is my relationship with you through and because of Jesus Christ. I will follow Jesus. And I will explore the mystery of his love and passion and joy and grace for me. Now, through the end of my life, as I point people to you, and in eternity, while I will never find the end of your love and mercy and grace. Hey, thanks so much for listening. If you want to find out more information about Life Church Canton or other churches in the Life Church Network, you can text I'm New to 734 349 3475 or fill out the form linked in the show notes below and someone from the church will reach out to you with more information. If you came to Life Church for the first time this past weekend, we would love to know about it. We believe that life isn't meant to be lived in isolation, but we want to connect with you and learn to live like Jesus in community together. If you want to email the show, you can do that at podcast at lifechurchcanton.org. You can subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you might be listening to it. Um, and if you're enjoying it, please share it with a friend and leave us a review. Once again, my name is Sam Parham, and you've been listening to the Life Church Canton Podcast. Have a great week, everybody.